Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. We are broadcasting live from the FCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. FCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. Simulcasts on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. We will be speaking with Cokie Riley about LSU baseball and perhaps a few other things uh, at about 9.15, about 10.35. We'll be talking to UL softball coach Jerry Glasgow. Other than that, we will have the game hotline open and you, you discuss whatever you would like. Um I did, uh, you know, we had our, we do football press conferences for spring football on Tuesday and Thursday, except for the Thursday that the Cajuns were playing in the NCAA tournament. But so I did football and then we went to baseball. And um, so I only saw like the last, I mean, I was following it the whole time, but I only saw the last inning and a half of the World Baseball Classic and, you know, disappointing. It's funny because I said the same thing. And a lot of people are saying it. Well, the Americans had this great lineup, but their pitchers aren't good enough. Well, the bottom line was the they pitch easily good enough to win the World Baseball Classic. Like, are their, or was their hitting lineup better than their pitching on, on paper? Of course. It, their lineup looks much more impressive than their pitching staff. But they lost 3 to 2. When you lose 3 to 2, that's not the pitcher's fault. That's the hitter's fault. So, we, yeah, they they're the, the 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 people that let them down, the the reason why they didn't win is cuz they didn't hit enough. Like it does not matter that you scored 14 runs against Cuba. You only needed 5 or 4 or 5 to beat Cuba. That uh, you know how many runs you put it went scoring a, that that means nothing. It's like again, we need to we have all of these analytics and we have more numbers that we could ever look at. But one of the things we don't do is uh, we don't have enough stats in the right areas. Like what I want to know is what are your stats in non-competitive situations? Mike Trout gets a lot of stats in non-competitive situations. Non-competitive situations. Like, I want to know when you're, I don't know, what what would the number be? Four, five? The truth is you could be down by five runs and still win the game. So I, I, I just think in that moment it's not a real competitive situation. So we need to come up with what that barrier is. Three run, three runs is not enough. Probably five runs. In other words, beyond a grand slam tying it. So any stats you put up when you're up or down by five runs, that I'm not saying they don't count. I'm saying that okay, so and so drove in eighty runs this season. Fifty four of them. We're in non-competitive situations. Yeah, 
still drove in 80, but it it it, it puts a different light on what you're doing. I, you know, so again, that doesn't impress me. Does not impress me. Any stats you put up or don't put up in those situations is irrelevant. Means nothing. Um, but no, do they? Do, would 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 I have liked Amer- the USA team that better pitching? Yeah, but pitching is not what lost. They lost because they didn't hit. That's why they lost. Does not matter. What, that they won 14-2 to two or whatever against Cuba. That's irrelevant. They lost to Japan because they didn't hit. Now, in the moment, obviously, the, 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 the national and the international media is going to focus on Mike Trout versus Shohei Otani. Well, first of all, I don't know that enough people understand this. The pitcher is supposed to get the hitter out every time they play. Every time there's a situation where you have a pitcher and a hitter, like one isolated situation, the pitcher is supposed to get the hitter out. The hitter is never supposed to be on base. See, that's the difference between baseball and these other sports. The pitcher is supposed to get the hitter out. That's what should happen every time. I don't I still don't think most people understand that. You you're so the pitcher is supposed to be successful every time. Whenever it's two outs and a guy didn't get it done, now if he never gets done over a long period of time, I get a little frustrated, but a hitter is never supposed to drive in a run with two outs. That's never supposed to happen. Now, in my mind, you should be able to get a runner home from third with less than two outs because you can make an out and still get that guy home. But you never are supposed to drive in a run with two outs. Never, ever. Uh, I guess you could argue if they're pitching a third baseman or, you know, a center fielder. But again, who cares? Because that means it's a blowout and none of the all those stats should go in a different category anyway. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Foot. Yes, sir. Uh, in the seventh inning, down 3-1, you got the first two on, Mookie Bezos, in second, nobody else, and then Trout strikes out, and Goldie hits into a double play. That, that was the ending. They should have did something right there. No, no, no. Wait. You got Trout strikes out on ball four. I mean, yeah, that's what on Trout did. Four. He struck out on ball four. That's what he did because yep, it was a competitive Trout, situation. And he struck out on ball four. Look, I, I, I really don't hate Mike Trout. It seems like he's a good guy, but it's just like the Tom Brady situation. They build him up larger than life. Just stop with that. He's overrated. Mike Trout is not the first, second, or third best player in Major League Baseball. It's been years since Mike Trout was the best player in Major League. You really, right now, do people really think that Mike Trout is more valuable to a team and a better player than Trey Turner? There's no way. There's no way that Mike Trout is a better baseball player than Trey Turner right now. If I mean, I, I just stop with the Mike Trout stuff. Again, I don't hate him. He seems like a good guy. And I'm, 
you got to almost be impressed with his loyalty to the little MVPs. I mean, I'm impressed with it. But, I mean, stop with the money. Just stop it. Yes, he ball four, swung at ball four. And look, all of that's going to happen. It's baseball. It's just one of the things I hate doing, and that the only thing, the only thing I don't like about the World Baseball Class. Well, I guess you could say the injury factor, but I I, I think that's overblown a little bit. Um, the only thing I don't like about the World Baseball Classic is I'm having to root for people that I normally always root against. And so, and my history with that is when I have to root for someone that I almost, that I either can't stand or I always root against, almost every time they 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 they, they don't come through for me. Like, I do not have good luck as a fan in my life rooting for people that I don't like. Like it, like having needing like you know Aaron Rodgers to come through, you know he that never happens. Always jokes. I mean, the other quarterback can throw seventy four interceptions in the second half and on the road, and he and Aaron Rodgers still chokes like a dog and loses, or his team does. To be fair, but. You know, it, it's 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 unbelievable. But so the the I'm glad the World Baseball Classic is over just because now I don't have to worry about rooting for Mike Trout and watching him strike out. Swing at ball four. I don't I don't have to watch that stuff. I don't have to root for Mookie Betts. And again, I don't hate Mookie Betts, but he plays for teams that plus fantasy plays in. I drafted Mookie Betts like three years ago. He was awful. So that just makes you bitter. That's a whole that fantasy's a whole different side to that. Like Paul Goldschmidt. I love Paul Goldschmidt in general. Everything he stands for, what he does. I drafted him two years ago. He was terrible. Then last year he wants to be the MVP. So I'm a little perturbed with him as well. But no, it's it's um it, I thought that the World Baseball Classic, everything I saw and heard about it was great. Um, like, do we need to tweak some things? Probably so. We we need to tweak everything. Like the NFL does stuff that's still stupid. The NFL hadn't been able to figure out how to do its rules. You know, the replay's been a buzz. They they still don't have a safeguard for against fifty yard flags. I mean, everything needs improvement. So I mean, the criticism of the World Baseball Classic is just silly to me. It's overrated silliness the criticism of it and um and again I, I and again I said it too oh they need more pitching why don't they have more pitch? well it's not the pitching that lost it's the hitting that lost these guys that we overrate and overblow how good they are they're the ones that lost but um no I, I thought it, it it was great now we are eight days away from the start of the Major League Baseball season, and we can go back to laughing every time Mike, Stry- Mike Trout strikes out with a runner in scoring position instead of being aggravated by it. I'm not used to that. I'm used to enjoying watching Mike strike. You know, 
everyone's going to they're going to show the highlight of the last pitch that he struck out on over and over again. He's not supposed to hit that pitch. But it'd be nice if he the with one what, what was the count? 2 to 1, 1 to 1, whatever it was. Otani threw a fastball right down the middle. How about hit that one? How about hit the fastball right down the middle? It was 102 miles an hour. Who cares? He's in the major leagues. The greatest player ever, right? He's the greatest player ever, right? I mean, I I don't blame him for... I mean, it was a great... Look, the strike three was a great pitch. I mean, not that often you're going to hit that pitch. So I don't blame him for missing that pitch. But you got you got you got to get the fastball right down the middle. Mike Trout. Then we got to hear it again. Oh, the great Mike Trout. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know how you get that guy out. Oh, I do. You just throw the ball fastball up and in. He swings and misses. It happens all the time. I've seen it his whole career. It's not really not that difficult. All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll be back. Shift gears. Koki Riley next. Stay tuned. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot. Welcome back. We have with us our friend, Mr. Koki Riley. How are you, sir? Doing great. How's it going? Oh, we've arguing about the World Baseball Classic and and dreading the fact that the United States didn't win. But uh, we'll we'll move on from that. All right. So <laughs> we've been waiting for the start of the SEC season. It started last week, and I guess. On one hand, you would say anytime you go on the road in an SEC series and you win two out of three, it can only be so bad. But I think in the minds of some LSU fans, things have been going so well that you kind of feel like you should win every game you play. So, uh, kind of, how do you? How did you come away from that uh, series in College Station feeling? Um that it was a successful weekend on, on the whole for LSU. Yes, it did not end very well, and there were a lot of walks in that final game, especially from the bullpen. But I think overall, I think it was a pretty successful weekend. I think they showed that. I think Paul Skeen showed that he's the real deal. He's an ace. He's maybe the best pitcher in college baseball, all that good jazz. And But the offense is really elite and really good. And I mean, neither of those things should be a surprise, but it's just nice to see it happen against, you know, a top 15, top 20 ish sort of team, Texas A&M, pretty good team that, um, is going to make an adjustment or two and get a player back or two that could, could be, uh, certainly contender to host a regional. So they're definitely not a pushover team at all. And they dominated, um, two or three games and probably should have won the third. So, um, if they hadn't blown to themselves, of course, but, that it, 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 yes, it, that is true. But it, then again, like here's the thing: yes, LSU fans have gone to the point with this team where they obviously expect to win every single game because they have the best roster in the country. But that's just not how baseball works. And we kind of saw it last night with WBC. Like, like Team USA probably had the most had the more talented roster, but 
when it's one game in baseball, you never really know how these things are going to go. So um, that's sort of the beauty of the sport, right? Because of the schedule they played, though, what what are the chances? I don't think anybody really thinks the hitting is overrated. But what other than your Friday night starter, who you know there there so far there is no questioning him. But what that the that the depth of the weekend rotation and the bullpen has been overrated because of of the cupcake schedule LSU's played. Um, there's a chance that's the case. Um. I still think the bullpen was pretty good in the A&M series uh, up until um, that last game. So, and, and also, I think just in general, pitching in college baseball um, is when you start to dive into the depth, into like dive deeper and deeper into a rotation or a bullpen. It's it's gonna it's just gonna get shaky no matter how um, talented on paper the guys are, just because of you know, how much slanted towards offense college baseball is with the middle bats and all that sort of stuff. Um, so I think that's something to consider. And, and, and I just think in general that, like, I I, I just don't want to overreact over to, too much to one series either, right? Um, would would have been better to see Ty Floyd and Thatcher Hurst throw deeper into their, into their starts this past week? Yes, absolutely. And I, and I think that would have been um, – I think that would have been the the ideal thing to happen, but I don't think I'm quite willing to say that Ty Floyd's overrated or Thatcher Hurd's overrated over one weekend, right? So um, it's sort of the debate over what do you what do you want to lean toward lean toward more, like the fact that um, their starters and the bullpen struggled in one game um, when they finally faced against better competition, or do you want to just say? it's smaller sample size and we need a couple more weeks to see this. And I, I think there's kind of a balance of both. And, um, but if, but if you put a gun to my head, I think I'd lean towards, it's still a small sample size. And I think we need to see what happens against Arkansas and Tennessee before we can really start. Um, and even then, uh, really start sort of investigating how good the, the depth of this pitching staff is. That well, look, in the next nine conference, year regardless. right, in the next nine conference games, we're going to know a lot because Arkansas is obviously good. Tennessee is good. And then you go to South Carolina, who may be a little better than people were thinking. And still, they, they've been knowing how to play baseball at South Carolina for quite a while now. So um, you're, we're going to know a lot in these next nine game, conference games. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, these are all at least top 15, if not top 10 teams in the country. South Carolina is creeping up there in the rankings for sure. They've had a great start to their season. Um, they haven't had the, they haven't faced the greatest competition, sure, but just sort of looking at their roster heading into the year, I mean, a lot of veteran players, a lot of players coming back from injury. Um, that was a team that seemed primed to take a leap from where they were last year, which was basically a below 500 team. Um, and I mean, Arkansas and Tennessee, I don't really need to say much else more because they're both top five teams in the country. <laughs> so, um, those are going to be a fantastic tests for LSU and if they can win both of those series again, like if you win almost, if, if you win every series, you're going to host a regional every SEC series, you're going to host a regional with no and or, but what or ifs about it. Right. Um, a couple of, a couple of those series are sweeps. Then either way you slice it, you're you're probably going to be the number one team in the country still, and um, keep that perch atop uh, the SEC and all of baseball. So it's, I, I yeah, I, I just feel like you know it's it, 
would it be nice to dominate every single week? Absolutely. And they sort of did dominate Texas A&M up until the very end. Um, I, I, so I, I think basically what I'm just saying is I, I think they're on track and, and I, and I, and I also think we shouldn't be overthinking, you know, how good or bad this team is over one weekend. That's all fair. All right, Arkansas, obviously we know they're good. They've been good at baseball for a long time, especially recently. Uh, what about the matchup, though, intrigues you about this particular Arkansas team? Yeah, um, Arkansas, really, really good offensive team so far this year, so this is definitely going to be a test for um, LSU's pitchers. I mean, last weekend against a and um, I don't think they're a bad-hitting team, so to say. They've had a slightly tougher non-conference schedule, which – is part of the reason why A&M's hitting numbers are that low. And there's, they have guys like Hunter Haas and Jack Moss who are quality hitters and awesome boast. But they they have – but it, but their numbers compared to Arkansas at the plate at least are inferior. So I'm sort of curious to see, like, how this LSU team is going to be able to combat these um, very good uh, Arkansas bats, you know, likes of Brady Slavens, Peyton Stovall, Kendall Diggs. Um, uh, Jared Wegner is at 390 this season. They're hitting 309 in the team, 38 home runs, which is, I believe, LSU also has 38 or 37 home runs as well. So, I mean, it's fairly comparable. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd say this Arkansas team is mostly built off its offense because its pitching staff has had, a, has had a lot of injury issues so far this year. I mean, that's Jackson Williams, one of their top starters. He's out for the year with Tommy John surgery. Um, Brady Tigart, he's came in the year as maybe the top reliever in, in the SEC, out five to six weeks with an injury. Cody Frank, he's a um, he was a Nebraska transfer. He's out for the year with a torn lat after just six appearances. So they're dealing with a lot of injuries on the pitching front, and it has sort of hurt them. They, they have a 4.21 team ERA at the moment. It doesn't mean they don't have any good pitchers. I mean, Hagen Smith's been one of the better starters in the SEC. Um, heading into this year, and he has a 1.17 ERA at the moment. So, yeah, it's it's um, it's definitely going to be a challenge for sure. I mean, this is a this is a very talented and very deep, especially when it comes to the order, Arkansas team. It's just um, it, as long if LSU's bats can get it going and they can throw more strikes, I, I, I'm pretty confident that they're going to win this series. Even then, because I just feel like on paper this LSU team is better than every other team in the country, and I don't want to say it isn't close compared to everyone else, but there's definitely a bigger gap than there usually is um, between number one and everyone else this season, just because of, you know, when it's not just they have a guy like Dylan Cruz, it's Tommy White, it's Thatcher Hurd, it's Paul Skeen, who's probably going to be a top five pick in the draft. It's the top freshman class in the nation. And when you add all that sort of stuff up, um, I, I think they are – they are maybe not heads and shoulders, but a head above um, everyone else. So because of the pitching issues, and like some of them, like you said, you've been knowing since the beginning of the year, but it might be better to face Arkansas from a hitting versus their pitching early in the year before they make all the adjustments that they're going to make. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. I'd say, you know, it's, and I just think it's good to get tested this, early on um, with Arkansas and Tennessee sort of on back-to-back weekends. Um, I think the fact that you're getting both those teams at home early in the season, I think that's a good thing. Um, and, and, yeah, like I, I think this LSU team, they need to get tested. They need to be tested. We need to see how 
can this team live up to the hype? Can this is is this team as good as we think they are? And I think the A and M series showed, for the most part, that that's the case. And um, and again, that's a road series as well, which is another type of test. They had they'd only played one true road game before that. Um, so yeah, yeah, I'm just really curious to see uh, what the series looks like for LSU. All right, so don't you think it's like if they go through this series and their games two and three starters do not make it to the fifth inning, like what would you make of it? I mean, how, how important, I guess, is what I should say that they, you know, you, they, they, you get at least five innings out of. Them. Yeah, I, I think it's I. I think it's fairly important. I think it's a little, might be a tad bit less important this season just because they're just so much deeper with just the quality of arms they can go to, even if um, some of those guys struggle toward at, at, in game three of the, of the series. They, they still have a guy like Nate Ackenhausen who can go three innings, a guy like Chase Shores who can go three innings. They have some long relief options and talented options and left-handed options and you know, different types of throwers. A guy like Nate Hackenhausen only throws in low 90s, but he's a really high spin rate, so that makes his fastball really tough to hit. Or a guy like Chase Shores, who can come out of the bullpen throwing 99 miles an hour. They, they just didn't have those options last year as much, even though they did have some quality relief options overall. It just wasn't as deep, right? It was mostly you're mostly relying on four, maybe five guys. This team is much deeper. I mean, we even saw a guy like Griffin Herring last night uh, against Central Arkansas. Like he didn't get the pitch against A&M. He's had trouble. Jay Johnson's had trouble putting him into games just because they've had so many of these seven-inning blowouts um, during the non-conference schedule. So, and he finally got an opportunity to pitch last night, and he looked excellent. So um, they just have a kind of a plethora of options to go to out of the bullpen here, and I think that just sort of helps with um, not having to rely on your starters too too much to go deeper into games, but. At least for now, um, as long as they can get to a point um, with I don't know, a week or two left before the tournament or in the SEC tournament, where you know Ty Floyd's consistently going five innings and Dexter Hurts is consistently going at least four or five innings, like if they can get to that point by then, um, I think they'll be fine. If they're not there right, I'm, I'm, if they're not there right now, I don't think it's overly worrying. Um, you just want those guys to. Uh, pitch a quality three, three and a third innings, um, and and kind of be a little bit more efficient than uh, they have been so far this year. All right, before I let you go, I don't know how much you got the chance to see the World Baseball Classic, but as a Red Sox fan, I saw a pesky pole homer from Yoshida, who set our World Baseball Classic record in RBI. So that had to be encouraging. Yeah, yeah, he was um, he was absolutely fantastic in the World Baseball Classic, and, and yeah, I was definitely watching closely as someone who was uh, born in Japan and obviously grown grew, has grown up here in the states for the vast majority of my life. Like, um, it was definitely kind of a weird game to watch because I I I I couldn't win and I couldn't lose at the same exact time. So, <laughs> um, it, but it was definitely a great game, and it was a great way to finish it off with Otani versus Trout and. And, I, and I'm really glad that the World Baseball Classic in general has really taken a major leap in popularity this season, and I think it's only going to grow heading into 2026. So really excited about that. I agree. Well, we thank you for your time as always, sir. Have a nice day. Awesome. Thanks so much, Kevin. 
This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is Footnotes, live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. If you have any reaction to anything Koki said about LSU baseball or the World Baseball Classic, which we talked about mostly in the first uh, segment today, Anything you f- you would like to discuss, feel free at the game hotline, 706-0111, 706-0111. The Saints added some more signees yesterday. Well, they brought Roach back. I, I didn't really think they weren't going to, but I guess that's good to see. Um, they signed Jonathan Abram. I'm um, certainly not upset that they signed Jonathan Abram. I'm not quite as excited as some. He's a he seems like a guy that they're really gonna have to utilize. You know, there's some people that have strengths and weaknesses, and you got and you gotta do the best that you can to maximize their strengths and not expose their weaknesses. Uh, he's a former first. Well, he's not that old. I mean, what was it, like four years ago or five years ago, something like that. He was a first round pick of the Raiders out of Mississippi State. He's kind of a safety. He's kind of like he's a guy who comes up and and defends the run and can be a big hitter, play with a lot of energy. But if you make him cover, he's not real good. And that you know, Sorensen had that. Sorensen was not so much the downhill guy, although he could do some of that. He was more of always seems to be in the right place at the right time and get turnovers. And 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 he might have won the the Browns game doing that in a very small sample size. Sorensen just was one of these guys like he just always seems to be in the right place at the right time. You know, nobody could. But if you sit there and make him have to cover a lot, you're going to burn him a lot. And that's kind of been what Abrams' M.O. has been throughout his time with the Raiders. Makes a lot of big highlight film hits, but he also gives up a lot. And so I, 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 I've been saying I'm a little worried about the, safe, the depth at safety. So I'm fine. And look, even if he's just a guy who might could help you some at safety as a backup, and be an outstanding special teams player. I'm fine with that. I mean, I'm I'm not saying they can't make it work. I just I don't know that he's going to be quite as play quite as big a role as maybe some of the some of the reaction that I've heard. Now the other thing, and look, I love the guy's name, but th- 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 there's a core of Saints fans that have been pushing this Smoke Monday thing since they picked him up. I have no idea how good Smoke Monday is. I mean, he he he'll he might if he makes the team and plays be one of the great names in Saint history. I mean, Smoke Monday. I mean, it's hard to get a much better name than that. But 
but I don't know how good he is. So I, I'm a little more hesitant than some Saints fans are about him as well. But the bottom line is that's a lot more options. And then they signed, what was his name, Lonnie Johnson. So I'm a, a more options at safety. I like that part. Let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Okay, Kevin, I know I'm probably going to be talking about something you have not too much knowledge of. But, uh, you know, now that a couple of the number one teams are gone, it's looking like the Final Four in women's basketball is probably going to be uh, South Carolina, Iowa, and LSU, and um, uh, UConn. Why do you say uh, that? What's that? Why do you say that? Well, that's the top seeds remaining in each uh, region left. I mean, South Carolina's a one. They're going to probably go to that region. Uh, Iowa's a number two in the region where uh, Stanford lost, so they'll probably go through that. LSU is in a region where they're the number one in the analog, so they're in good shape there, I think. And well, then Utah's uh, still higher-seeded, but other than that, you're all right. Okay, so what I'm tra- what, the point I'm trying to get to, Kevin, they got this they got this girl in women's college basketball right now that whenever ESPN chance gets to put him on, put her on prime time, she did do that. I mean, she's not on the best team, but she plays. She always put her on prime time. Now, this girl here, where she play, where she plays at, they have sold out all year long. I think they sold out all a year last year, all because of this one girl. So, my question to you: Has he ever seen Caitlin Clark play before? Only highlights. I mean, I've seen highlights uh, on highlight shows, but no, I have not ever watched a game that she was in, no. She, if you want to give a comp for her, I think she's about the closest thing you can say to a female Larry Bird. And I know you didn't like Larry Bird, but you got to watch this girl play. She is something special, Kevin. She can pass. She can shoot. She can blow by them defenders. She's tall for a guard for a girl. I think 6'3", so she's more like a point forward. Uh, she is something special to see. Dalton, have you ever seen her? I have, and uh, I've seen some of the stuff she's even done in this tournament already. I mean, yeah, she's pulled up from the logo a couple of times, and then, but yeah, she is. Um, she's must see TV for sure. So, Kevin, are you, do you want to see this this young girl? I play? mean, uh, the, the chances of me watching her play are not very good. I got to tell you. I mean, what if they play LSU in a? Uh, a I mean, I, I, I theoretically that would be possible. Yeah. Well, Kevin, you got to expand your horizon more than just about the Astros. I'm too old. The for that. Saints, uh, your fantasy, your uh, fantasy team. Once you draft them, I mean, that's all you focus on. Uh, and work. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just, I don't. I mean, I mean, no, I don't. I just don't think it's going to happen. I mean, it you, you sounds like you've made a good comp. I'm just saying, I doubt I'll watch her. But you didn't even know who that Japanese pitcher was before I turned you on to him. Well, that but I mean, year old again, if he comes to the major leagues, I worry about him. I mean, I don't know. Any, I mean, I respect Japanese baseball in the Japanese league, but I don't, I don't have any time or, or you know interest in following them until they come to the major leagues. President of the United States, Kevin. And 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 Lewis Urias hit a bomb off of that cat. Crushed him. Who's the president of the United States, Kevin? Oh, I know who the president is. Okay, well, I just wanted to, I was yeah. just, that was just a little check right yeah. there. Yeah, y'all have a good day. All right, take care. No, I, there's no question I can get tunnel vision, but man, all I worry about, the main thing I'm worrying about right now, you know what, If what's her name, Caitlin Clark? Clark? If Caitlin Clark could do something about the traffic 
that anywhere I'm around, I would watch every game that she plays for the – I mean, all of it. I, I, I mean, I'll do a podcast on Caitlin Clark. If she can get the cars that are in front of me out of my way for at least three or four straight weeks in a row, I'm just – I can't – I have Zemo. I just can't take any more traffic. Does she have any transportation expertise, Caitlin Clark? I know she can shoot it, and I know she can pass. If Caitlin Clark could do something about the traffic that I'm in every day, it seems like, for the last week and a half, then I will watch Caitlin Clark play. If not, I doubt it's going to happen. Doubt it's going to happen. We'll take a timeout and be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station over watching a mandated webinar at work. Thank you, everyone, for coming to this exciting meeting today to discuss... Take that, productivity in the workplace. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Game hotline 706-0111. 706-0111. I do want to mention Willis Reed died yesterday, I believe it was. Um, you know, I re- the coolest moment for me of all the time, and I and I didn't go to the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame induction uh, for years and years and years. Other people went. I, I never did, but I've been to a lot in the last 10 years. And I got to tell you, I think the single coolest moment, there were a lot of great moments in my times that I've been in the last, you know, 10 years going there or so, is seeing Willis Reed. I mean, I, you know, I'm not saying Willis Reed is not even necessarily the most prominent athlete. You know, there have been, you know, Shaq theoretically is a bigger athlete, you know, on the worldwide than Willis Reed was. But our good friend Stevie P says this all the time, and I think there's a lot of truth to it. When you were a kid... The, the, the guys who you looked up to or that were big when you were younger or like mega stars when you're young, that means more to you than when you get older. It just does. And so I was real young when Willis Reed, but I mean, Willis Reed, by the time I was in high school, 10 years after his famous uh, running back onto the court, that was still, it was legendary then and it still is now. And so I remember being in Natchitoches, and they did the Walk of Fame, and it was like, Willis Reed. Uh, You know, and he went to Grambling, and it's amazing. Uh, Just uh, like uh, Marv Albert was calling him yesterday, the greatest Nick of all time. And he might be, probably is. Uh, You could certainly argue it. And the amazing thing is he only played like 10 years. He didn't have one of these 15, 16-year careers. But, no, I just wanted to to mention that. No, I, just a, really a legendary figure, and it's cool that he uh, has Louisiana roots. Let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Yes, uh, that was nice uh, words you had for uh, 
such a Hall of Famer, such a legendary, especially and also a Louisiana. Like you said, yeah. I dated a woman from Grambling, and she met with us. We met his family, and uh, had nothing but positive things to say about the man. So uh, may he rest in power. May he transition. Um, well, you already, well. Anyway, um, I want to go back to uh, the last conversation. Who was that? FedEx. FedEx man, yeah. Uh, first. Uh, I was intrigued, you know, he kept saying girls. So I was like, man, that's a 13, 14 year old, like playing college uh, women's basketball. Then I looked, you know, it was a 21 year old. Um, you know what? You know, so crazy. And I'm not saying with him, like, you know, we pick and choose. She's making at least a million in NIL, uh, NIL deals. And guess what? I, we would never hear outrage over that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, and my thing is, I'm happy for, I'm happy for any athlete who can get anything. From their name, image, and uh, likeness. Uh, but she, it, hey, I, he, I was intrigued with the conversation because uh, I think hey, she had a forty-five point game. I want, I want to see who this player is. I want to see her game, you know, because I don't, I don't really watch college basketball, rather it's men or women, you know. Um, now I'm watching the tournament. I kind of keeping up. Um, that's about it. Um, yeah, man. I just, I think you know what she looked like. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen a picture of her. You seen it? I have seen her on highlights, yeah. She looked like Tim Lincecum. There's a picture for the Giants. Oh, I'm I had that like resemblance. I need uh I need to go back and look at her again with that in mind. I I, I mean I gotta tell you, I didn't think that, but I I'm gonna go back and look at a picture of her and see if I can and but, see but, what so, you're seeing. Joker side not being sarcastic. Well I, I was being sarcastic on the girl part. But um I will I wanna see her play. I wanna see this. Uh Anytime someone's scoring 45, I don't 45, 50, or consistently getting that, scoring at a high level. I want to see this. Um, also, rooting for LSU, man. I'm rooting for the players, uh, Reese. Uh, and, <clears throat> if I'm mistaken, he said that's a possibility they could meet up. When, 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 when could LSU play Iowa? Uh, Dawson's going to look it up. I, I, I don't – I have not followed the – but hey, hold on, man. Another thing too, man. The uh, world class, the world baseball situation. Um, I didn't watch your game, but I saw some. I saw the highlights. Uh, baseball. I, I know. I don't know if I heard you talk about it. I'm kind of glad that you're doing away with the shift, man. I, I got tired of seeing. I know you don't. You know. I know you probably like. Nah. You know. Nah, man. Like it, it's got. It's not the same way. They they were not. They were not shifting this way in the '80s and '90s. I don't no, they weren't. no, they weren't. No, they weren't. They weren't. Like I said, nah, man. I'm getting tired. I, I, I want to see stolen bases, man. Until until American baseball get back to to the real roots of the game. That's know, what they're trying minutes. to do. See that that again. I I I'm I'm against the concept of telling the defense where they have to play. I'm against that. But I understand what they're doing. And the people that say they're trying to ruin the game, I don't think they're trying to ruin the game. They're trying to bring the game back to the way it was played for like 100 years. I'm tired of That's what they're trying to do. And hopefully it works. Hey, man, one of the. You ever ever go back and look at MVPs of yesteryear and you look at the wins above replacement? Hey man, that, that's some players who had like d- damn near eight, nine. That was like fifth and sixth in MVP voting, and you might have a player with a four point four, five point five. Oh yeah, the game you know was I mean? definitely like, de- very different back then. So, yes. so think about it. That, that's messing me up in a sense. Like how I'm looking at how the value of a player. You know what I mean? And that's right. 
that's the real stat. Like when you think about it, um, you're right. Yeah, man. I, I, I want to see. I want. I want to see the Dallas Strawberries of yesterday. I want to see the Eric Davis. I want to see these 30-30 men, men who was just. Yeah, I, I think I think we're going to get back to that more. But I got to take a break. Yeah. I appreciate the call. All right, thank you. Thank you. We'll be back. Another hour to follow. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foot. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. We are broadcasting live from the FCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. Efco Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111-706-0111. We've talked a lot of World Baseball Classic. We've talked a little NFL draft. We'll be doing that sporadically over the next five weeks, and as well as LSU baseball. Any thoughts you have on any of those subjects, certainly feel free to give us a call. Again, the game is 706-0111, 706-0111. So we were just talking off the air, and again, I, I, I feel... I almost feel bad. Hopefully my daughter Riley is not listening because she would get mad at me for saying that I might feel bad about it. Because I don't want to give off the impression that I hate Mike Trout because I don't. I mean, he seems like a great guy, really does. And he's he, he does everything right. He's just, I just don't fear him that much with runners in scoring position in a big situation because I've gotten him out so many times. I mean, you kind of tend to hate, like I hated Chris Young. The the Astros went for it. They could never get Chris Young out. They could never get Scott Posednik out. I fear those guys way more than I fear Mike Trout. Get him out all the time. So, Dawson, like right now, we were all right. Right now, if someone said you could have Mike Trout or or Trey Turner, you would really choose Mike Trout? Well, again, in, when, whenever those conversations start being had, you need to give me more context. Are we taking a player for one season? Are we taking a player for the rest of his career? Because uh, I need all those to make my decision. It's not well for one season. I would trade Tay Turner, and for the rest of his career, I would take Trey Turner. So Mike Trout coming back and being healthy this season, the way he appears to be, uh, I will take Mike Trout over oh. Trey Turner. He is an elite defender. He well, he's an elite defender. Runner. Has no arm. He can't throw out anybody. Yeah, but he plays center field. His a position arm is, that doesn't old, need is, is much. very overrated. He, he, you can run on Mike Trout, so you cannot be a leader, an elite defender if you can run on him. He is an elite. He's defender. an outfielder. He's not an elite outfielder. He's overrated. If you can run on a guy, if when the little green yellow light comes up, it, okay, it, if it's he, not red, then he can't be he elite. Doesn't, also, though, he doesn't play a position in right field where you look for plus-plus arms. That's why he's in center, because he's got more range. I mean, he's got, he's got good speed, no question. He doesn't run anymore, so his speed well, doesn't help him. Well, nobody runs, though. I mean, nobody runs, so now I Well, don't... we'll see if he starts running under the new rules. But he doesn't run anymore, and yeah. they're doing it because he's hurt all the time. I get it. But 
there's no way I would choose. I mean, it's really, it's not even close. Like Trey Turner. I, I disagree. Runs way more than him. He plays a, he, he plays a more significant defensive position, just as good or probably better. He hits for average. He he doesn't hit for the same amount of power, but, I mean, he's just a better overall hitter. To me, it's not even close. Now, I don't know how Trey Turner's as good as he is. I have no idea, but, man, that cat is something. Unbelievable. Trey Turner's OPS last season was 809. Mike Trout's OPS has never been barely under 1,000. Again, most of that is hollow. What? He's, he, he, Mike Trout gets <laughs> a ton of useless home runs and RBIs every <laughs> I mean, <okay>. year. <laughs> I mean, you really need, and, and it's not just you. Though. Trey we, Turner we played need for to the have Nationals. a different category for useless home runs and RBIs <laughs> that mean nothing other than padding your stats. <laughs> okay. I'm just saying, I've, I've been in the division with this guy for a decade now. He Very few times has he ever gotten a big hit against the Astros, ever. Now, he's done it a few times, but not that often. He, there's just no way. Anyway, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Morning there, Foot. Good morning, sir. Yeah, Mike, Mike Trout, I mean, he, he's seen his, his better days, you know. He's not the best baseball player play in baseball right now. I mean, well, you no. can argue that maybe Tatis is, you know. I mean, I, you know, granted, he, he got injured last season, but when when he's healthy, I mean, he's probably the best player. I mean, I put Vlad, Vlad Guerrero Jr. before Mike Trout, too. I mean, he's seen his better days already, you know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, I mean, but again, he, he's still a good player. But again, like I, in our fantasy drive, I'd have to go back and look. He was not picked in the top 10. He was picked like 12, 13, something like that. Right. Now, I, I got a question for you. Have you, uh, I wanted to ask you yesterday when I when I called yesterday. Have you checked on your guy Rockefeller since his uh, Duke Blue, Blue Girls lost? Yeah, he, he he's he's texting me, showing off his his incredible fish that he catches all the time. So yes, what? I think he's okay. Look, the oh, man what? finds solace in catching fish, so he's got it going. I mean, anytime he gets down, he just goes catch some big fish, and it makes him feel better. I mean, well, that's, he, that's a he 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 he's figured it out. I, that's what I want to tell you. You need to go fishing with the man, kind of take his mind off of. Duke winning a national championship because with that new coach, that ain't that ain't happening. You if know? I went fishing, <laughs> guess what would happen? Some car would be in my way and I would have to stop. That's what yeah. would happen. It'd, It'd be a traffic, traffic jam uh, in Grand Chenier yeah. by Boots. It'd be a traffic jam. Exactly, exactly. Uh, but, uh, everywhere I go, traffic but, jam. Yeah, all, all, all the way, uh, wherever that is, that the first ever traffic jam where, where yeah. you go fish at Rockville over there, you know? First ever traffic jam, you get stuck in it. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't pulling for anything. Any, uh, I wasn't pulling for Tennessee either, because you know, being a Bama fan, you know, I, 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 I don't really care for Tennessee, you know. But uh, as long as Duke, Duke lost, I, you know, I was kind of laughing, you know. But anyway, but uh, yeah, I was just calling to see if you checked on him. Have a good one. All right, take care. Man, I didn't realize Dawson had Mike Trout under ruse. I never, I never. Realize I, that I about wonder, him. I mean, it's like you're not alone. I mean, what, people all are, they all they rave he, about what Mike does Trout a player have to do 
in your mind to be regarded as the best player? I mean, the guy has been unbelievably consistent. He's he's had two injury plagued years. Outside of that, he's played 150 plus games, driven in over 100 runs. I mean, an OPS of almost a thousand or above a thousand for a three year stretch. I mean, his WAR is always near the highest in the league. His WAR, by the way, was 6.3 last year. Trey Turner's was uh, 4.9. I would take Trey Turner every day because I'm trying to win baseball games. I'm not trying to, you know. Again, wins it's not above a replacement stat is war. A, it's about winning games. Trey Turner will help you win way a, more games a, than Mike Trout would. That that stat is literally telling you how many wins the player was worth no. based on how they performed. No, <laughs> I don't buy it. Okay. I don't buy because I get him out all the time in crucial situations. Strike him out all the time. I've done it for a decade. There, well, there, there's some. Uh, they're a little more experimental, but there are some clutch statistics out there. I'm gonna. Just, uh, I will try and find that for you tomorrow. Get some clutch stats, and we'll maybe see if we can. Maybe maybe the numbers will back what you're saying up because they do. They do kind of have some some newer stats that kind of try to measure big time moments. So I'll, we I'll work really on that for need you. somebody needs to come up with. A category where how, what percentage of your home runs and RBIs come when you're down or ahead by more than four runs? I think four. I think f- more than four runs needs to be this that because if you're down by four, you're still a grand slam away from tying. So I'll, I'll give you some leeway on that. But I mean, in not in in, in situations, um, it's just you know again I. I it, you know, I think my perception of him would be very different if he didn't play in my division. But when when you play in someone's division for a decade or longer, you just, I mean, you just know more about him than the national media does or anybody does because you play again. And especially in baseball, you play 17, 18, 19 times a year against him. So you you just know him. I mean, the Astros don't walk this guy. They just don't walk him. They pitch to him because they know they can get him out. Let's go to the game hotline. Hello. If I'm not mistaken, I think there's there's a stat that's out there where they check the uh, batter, you know, his batting average, whatever, after the sixth inning, like seventh inning. And I would love to see, you know, because that's considered clutch. I would love to see his clutch numbers. Would be and, uh, after that in a crazy. close game. He came yeah. up two times yesterday in clutch situation, right? Popped up, and uh, you striked out. So, I struck out. So, I understand, I understand what you're saying, but like old dude said, well, the guy that answered the phone, um, and I just said it just not too long ago, the war, the winning above, above replacement. It's almost like you can't. Like, look at Wade Boggs, man. You ever look at Wade Boggs? Like, Wade Boggs, that shocked me, man. They're not, you know, but he was more of a double hitter. He always got, he always got on base. But Wade Boggs wins above replacement. It's like in the eight, like for, for a lot of his uh, his his prime, especially in the eighties. Uh, he was a very clutch type uh, hitter. Compare when you look at the wins above replacement. And I, but but what? But my thing is, is getting so getting runs, getting base hits in the first, second, third inning doesn't cap, count. Does it matter? Like, well, no, I'm I mean, not. It, it, it matters. And, 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 he might just not have the right pitch. Wait, say that again. It might, you know, I, I feel you saying it matters, but who to say that his pitch? It's a team game, you know. He can't control who's out there, the pitcher, the starting pitcher, the relievers, or whatever. 
yeah, all of that is I, I true. Know, yes. I, you know what I'm saying? It's a team game. I know where you're coming from. But uh, you can't look. You just can't overlook the win above uh, replacement stats. Uh, also, Tim Anderson, right? White Sox. Mm-hmm. He played second base, right, in this tournament. I heard. Well, he started out at short, and then McNeil was struggling, so they moved him to second. Yes. So let me ask you this, man. You're you're a baseball historian when it comes to a lot of baseball. Marty Barrett, when they made the change from Marty Barrett, excuse me, Marty Barrett to Jody Reed. What did you think about that? I think that happened like in the early 90s and, uh, with the Red Sox. <laughs> what do you think? Well, uh, you. you know, Marty Barrett was more the bigger second baseman that you kind of see now, like the Chase Utley kind of, not quite as big as Chase Utley. But, I mean, uh, I think Marty Barrett had more pop potential for sure, so I'd have probably went with him. So, Mike Trout, they're, the clutch stat on fan graphs. Now, this isn't my favorite stat, though, because – this clutch stat is comparing that player to himself. Does this player perform better or worse than they normally perform? And so Mike Trout has been a negative clutch player in his career, but so has Trey Turner. They have both performed below average, below their own average, though. So that's not to say he's below the average of MLB players. It's below the average of Mike Trout in innings one through. And again, I, I don't have the details on what this, which, you know, it just says how much better or worse a player does in high-leverage situations than he would have done in a neutral, contextual environment. I'm just telling you that as a fan who follows the Astros day in and day out, when a player hurts me, that pain never goes away. Okay? When a player hurts me in a clutch situation, that pain never goes away. When I hear the name Dale or Unser, I still cannot... I just get enraged from the from the pinch hit single that Dale Hunter got against the Astros off of Nolan Ryan in the 1980 NLCS. That pain never goes away from me. And I just, Mike Trout is not giving me that much pain in a decade because we get him out, he hits home runs, but it's when we're way up or way down or very early in the game and it's a so, he just, I just don't have that much pain with him. I just don't. David Eckstein is giving me way more pain in my life than Mike Trout has. Way more. It's just how it is. I call it the pain test. We can talk about the eye test. We can talk about war. With me, it's the pain test, and he's in my division. If he wasn't in my division, I wouldn't even go that route because it's too small of a sample size. But in the pain test, it's not even close. We'll take a time, a break, and be back. Stay tuned. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. A recent survey said that game listeners prefer our station than filing their taxes. Take that, taxes. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. Two footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. The game hotline is 706-0111. If you would like to get in, argue about Mike Trout, World Baseball Classic, 
NFL draft. I um we were discussing off the air. What I don't want to do, here's what I want to make sure, because I don't want to have another Peyton Turner or Chris Naoli. Like, we're going to be talking about the NFL draft a lot over the next month. I don't want to talk about it and obsess about it for that long and then get fooled by a Chris Naoli pick. That was way before your time, late 90s. You know, Saints had, I want to say he was a, the number eight overall pick. Could be wrong. Somewhere in that range. And they picked a guard named Chris Naoli. Now, to be fair, Chris Naoli's one of the best things that Mike Ditka did because he, he actually had a decent NFL career. Most of everything Mike Ditka did was just awful. Sammy Knight was the best thing that ever happened in the Mike Ditka era. They they signed Sammy Knight. He had a nice little run. Uh, and Chris Naoli was actually pretty good. I guess him or or uh, Turley. And but like Peyton Turner, like we might have mentioned his name in passing once or twice, not that long ago. Was that two years ago? but drafted Peyton Turner. And it's like, we we spent all this time talking about all these other guys and it was somebody we didn't even really talk about. So I wanna, I, I don't want to get caught off guard here. In the next month or so, we have got to nail, we've got to try to at least have some serious discussions about who the Saints end up picking. I don't want to get caught off guard. I hate that. Let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, howdy! I got all of the uh, what you call in the what they call stats on trial. Okay. Okay. In tie games, he's hit two ninety four for his career with uh, one hundred and twenty four home runs and sixteen hundred ninety at bats. Within one run, he's hit three hundred with. 199 homers in 2,786 at bats. Within two runs, he's hit exactly 300 with 250 home runs. Within three runs, he's hit 302. Within four runs, he's hit 301. With a margin where it was more than four runs, he's hit 318, which is only in his career 647 at bats. And he's got uh, 48 home runs. So he's probably done a little bit better when they had a greater than four run. But he's been pretty consistent. That that, that only, does, That's way more consistent than I would have guessed. I, I, again, I, I understand. Wait, listen to this one, Kevin. Okay. They also have one. I don't know how they define this, but they call it late and close. In late and close, he's got 699 at bats, 700 at bats, basically. 37 home runs, but his batting average is the lowest of any of these, is only uh, 248. And with two outs and runners in scoring position, he's hit 266 with 17 homers and 428 at bat. So I, I would say there's a little bit to what you're saying, but not a lot. And and then I also give you what he's done against the Astros in his career. 
He's played a hundred and he's actually played more games against the Astros, I think, than anybody. No, he's played more, slightly more against Seattle and the Rangers, but almost. Um, he's played 136 games against Astros, and his batting average against Astros is lower than any other team. You know, where he has any amount of uh, games. He's hit 255 in his career against the Astros, and he's hit 29 home runs against the Astros in. 466 at bats. So I wouldn't say he's done great. Now it doesn't, uh, it doesn't break down what he did in those clutch situations or close situations against an individual team. You see what I'm saying? Right. It doesn't get that. But that makes sense because again, I, I have, when he comes to the plate, I mean, obviously, he's a great player. You know, right. it's not like you're facing a pitcher. But but I'm like, if it's if it's runners, I'm like, I think we can get this guy out. I mean, we've gotten him out his whole career in clutch situations. Yeah, it's not like, like, like I don't have him in front of me, but I'd like to pull up Pujols' career stats against oh, the Astros. It's not even close. I'd, re- I'd much well, rather no, face Trump. I know. Trump. I'm just saying you would see why you feel the way you feel. Yeah, that's why I hate him. But, yeah. uh... And the one thing that has hurt Trout a little bit, I think Dawson said he he's actually only played 150 or more games, like either three or four years. Those were early in his career. Since then, he's had like a year with a 120, 140. You know, he's had a lot of nagging injuries the last few years. And then you had the pandemic year that he lost. So you, you've got to kind of eliminate that one. But, he has been a little more injury prone. I think that's part of the reason he's not been running as much to try and avoid some of the injuries. I'm wondering if it's a situation that he's the kind of hitter that if you don't face him a lot, then he's going to hurt you. But if you know him, then he's really not that hard to get out. I mean. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. He obviously, he's not as uh, uh well, I don't know which term you want to use. You can say as good or disciplined a hitter as a guy like Pujols because he strikes out a lot more. Pujols, when he, you know, he was never a guy that struck out much. He'll put the ball in play. I think that's why he got way more RBIs, and he was always really good with the man on third and less than two outs that you like. And a big part of that is being able to put the ball in play. Absolutely. Yes. You know, too many guys now they come up with a man on third and less than two outs, and they still too worried about hitting the darn home run, getting no, the run in. I, I'm I'm with you. Look, I hate Pujols, one of my most hated athletes ever, but that's why. I mean, look, I, I'd face Mike Trout a hundred times out of a hundred over Albert Pujols in a clutch situation. Not even. Close. All right, listen, I got it. His last five seasons, not counting the pandemic year, I'm skipping that one. He's played. 114 games, 140, 134, uh, 36, and 119. I mean, that's missing too many games consistently. No, 30, yes. 40 games a year on average. I mean, he's due. Let's say he's due to have a big year this year and play 150 games. Can you give me that? Well, you're saying that because you drafted him. 
Well, I know this is the first time I've drafted him in fantasy. I feel like he's due. So I'll be rooting. Tell Dawson I'll be rooting for him this year. All right. Thanks just, for that. Just info. tell him, don't tell me he's as good a hitter as Pujols. He might be a better all around player, but he's not as good a hitter as Pujols. No, not, not, not even close. I agree. I agree. No, but I mean those numbers. Again, it was a the the one run and all that was a lot more consistent. But like he said, that again, maybe I'm just. I really think that's probably what it is. If you don't see him a whole lot, then he's talented, so he's going to hurt you. But if you if you faced him enough, he's really not that hard to get out. He he's got a major hole in his swing. Anything up and in, you just get he tie him up. He's just he's got a major hole in his swing. And they just, he just hasn't done that much against me in a decade. Just hat. All right, we'll take a timeout. Be back. Stay tuned. This is Footnotes on the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is Footnotes, live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. We have with us UL softball coach Jerry Glasgow. How are you, sir? Doing good, Kevin. Hope you're doing well, too. Well, you know, we're arguing about the World Baseball Classic all the show. So I, I know, and, and Mike Trout, I, I know you are a uh, fan of a lot of sports, including baseball, and you're probably a little too busy. You probably didn't get a chance to see any of that, did you? I, I saw the tail end. I think I watched the last two or three innings. That was really – like the last inning was really good when you had Trout matched up with his teammate, what, O'Connor, or I can't even say it, O'Connor. But uh, that was nasty. You know, he went 100 whiff, 100 whiff, and then he broke that 87 curve off. I mean, one inch outside. That was a nasty pitch. I thought that was exciting, seeing that last – the very end. But it, apparently the World Baseball Classic drew a lot of interest in baseball, which I think is great. It, it it certainly did, especially worldwide. All right, so I saw, I think I saw that your RPI is up to 12. So do you feel like, I know losing is not fun, and I don't know that I've ever met a coach that hates losing more than you do um, in all my years as a sports writer, but I know losing is not fun, but if if there wins, do you feel like if you just win almost every game from here on out, that will help your RPI enough to go with your early season schedule? Where like, what's the ceiling? Do you think for your RPI? <clears throat> yeah, you know, I don't know. I think that the hardest part for me as a coach is like looking back and not you know wanting something to be different than reality. The reality is what happened and. You know, you, but if that one run game was, I mean, if we could have finished UCLA, we'd be top 10. If we could have beat Arkansas, we lost 7 6. And if we could have won that game, we'd be top 10. If you if you don't lose to Michigan 7 to 6, that's your worst loss. You don't have any losses outside the top 10 RPI if you take away the Michigan loss. So you got one loss outside the top 10 RPI. So that Michigan loss is why, you know, even that loss, if you remove it, your top 10 RPI. 
we're so close to being right there on the verge of hosting a, a regional and a super regional if we, you know, just find a way to win those early season games. And, of course, we didn't, and there's reasons why we didn't. And that's and the good part is we know those reasons. Like, we, we, are, we know what we need to work on over this next two months and have been working on those things now for the last month as well since that Florida trip. And that's why you go play those teams. You find out how good you are, how good you aren't. And we found out how good we aren't and what we need to work on. But it still like kind of haunts you as a coach and, and makes you <clears throat> sick at your stomach when you think, realize how close you come. That said, the one thing I'm positive, like the schedule was, we were really, really, um, fortunate the schedule was like we played almost like the perfect rpi schedule and we and and from here forward i think our lowest rpi team is 111 and that changed madison who very easily could end up in the top 100 so the the rpi for once in the sunbelt you know since i've been here the rpi the sunbelt you just you just dread going into the conference because you know your rpi is going to fall out of the sky I believe with the addition of Baylor and A&M ahead of us on the road, uh, won't be easy. We've lived on the road. You know, we've probably played more hard road games than any team in the country. I think our schedule is number six. So I, I do think we've still got a chance to host that regional um, here in, in uh, you know, Lambson Park, which is I want that for our fans. I hope that I hope we can make that happen. But it won't be easy because we really we're going to need to win probably 24 or 23 out of the 25 remaining games, 23 or 24 of those games. And in addition, you, you're going to have to either beat, you're going to have to win on the road at least one of the games against uh, Baylor and A&M, and then you're going to have to avoid, you know, those losses that you just inevitably get in in conference play on most years. And you know we're going to try to pull a. Uh, 2019, where we run the conference, we're going to try our best to do that. I mean, it's, I'm I'm, I'm going to put extreme effort into these games and and being prepared into these uh, conference series because I realize what's at stake. So the schedules, you know, it's just I'm all over the place with it, but cause it's it's been tough, but it's definitely. I think put us in a great position going forward. Actually, I just looked it up, and you're up to 11th. And you know, even the Michigan loss, Michigan's got an RPI of 21. I mean, that's not that shouldn't hurt you that bad. But you mentioned the last I looked, eight Sun Belt teams, and that doesn't even include James Madison. We're in the top hundred. Yeah, you know that we we have these head coaches meetings in the Sun Belt, and you know we talk about exactly what we have to do to to get a high RPI. We know what we have to do. And it's amazing to me that you got some schools still don't do it, and they choose not to do that, and that hurts us all. And very, very, very frustrating to me, you know, because um, we we lay it out in black and white, and there's just no excuse to play the 244th best schedule in the United States uh, of college softball. You know, that's to me that's unacceptable. If I'm the conference commissioner, I'm uh, happy with that. And as a head coach in the conference, I'm not happy with that. You, we all have to step up and play a tougher schedule. And that's, that's we want to be good. You got to play good. And we know that. So let's do it. All right. So, um, you know, we've been talking. I, I, I'm, I'm, I don't, and I don't know where you are, but I, I think you kind of mentioned it in Monday's presser. 
that, you know, you have so many good players, you cannot afford to not utilize the talent that you've recruited. And and, and I thought about your situation with Lauren Allred last night. Uh, the Cajun baseball team won, and for, for most of the season, Ben Robichaux hasn't been playing. In the last four games, he's gotten on base. He's been starting all four, and he's gotten on base in almost every at-bat. And Matt kind of joked. He said, yeah, the, the, the stupid coach never put him on the field. He, he, once you put him on the field, you learn what they can do. And through that experiment, you you got Lauren Allred, and, you, and you're still trying to see what you got out of Kylie Griffin. So I, it seems like you have enough talent where you can win and still – Make sure what you have. Yeah, well, I'm trying to win. <laughs> that, that, that's, you know, any fan that sees us playing and thinks that Jerry Glasgow's not trying to win, totally missing the whole <laughs> persona that I want to coach by. I mean, I want to win. At the same time, I'm not scared. I'm not scared to look at uh, other players. I'm not scared to look at players that, you know, may I, I think I just have a hunch sometimes, like this player's had a really good weekend BP. I want to see what they do. You know, I want to see, I want to see what Sam Grader can do. I just haven't got the right timing and feeling together. Like I'm watching her in practice and I'm seeing some good things with her bat. Now, when I get the right matchup against the right pitcher, I want to put her in there and, you know, hopefully she'll have success. And if she does have success, then she'll get more opportunities down the road later. At the same time, you have some really good players. They go into slumps, and they it doesn't do them any good when they're if they're one for nine or one for twelve, and you stick them out there under pressure. It's pretty easy to expect them to end up one for fifteen. Instead, give that kid a night off. Put in that kid that's dying to play, like a you know like a Lauren Allred was, and then you know let let everybody have an opportunity to help your team. And that, in the long run, that depth that you create will help us at some point. If, if not even this year, it'll be next year. But at some point, it will help us. And then at the other part is the clubhouse. You know, you want your clubhouse to know, like, hey, if I work my butt off and I'm doing it in practice, coach is going to notice and he's going to give me a chance in a game. And that creates great uh, competition in practice which is what is essential to being a great ball club, I think, is to have that competition in practice. So we're, we're going through a – there's a lot of reasons for a, a lot of things, but, you know, there's no move that we make on the lineup that there's not a reason in my head that we did it. Nothing's ever just, you know, done without a lot of thought or without a lot of, um, you know, a lot of reason in the background. Right. And so – it don't always make sense to a fan sitting up there, and, and it shouldn't necessarily. But believe me, there's something that happened in practice, something, an injury, uh, a mental uh, rest needed from a starter. But those, those things are how you create depth and, and, and a great atmosphere in the ball club. All right, speaking of injuries, Taylor Roman, Laney Crater, uh, could they be back anytime soon, or, could, or will they likely be out for a while? Uh, Crater will be back this weekend, I expect. I, she had a really good day at practice yesterday, and she was in the final days of her uh, recovery protocol. And I think that unless something happened after practice, I don't know about last night, I expect her to be 100% full go today uh, and then full go for the weekend. 
Uh, Taylor has uh, had a doctor's appointment yesterday, and we're just, you know, praying for her that things aren't, you know, we don't have a full uh, diagnosis yet, and we don't know exactly what the situation is. But that kid's been through, <laughs> she's been through a war with her with her injuries, and we're hoping this one's turned out not to be as serious as, as, as you know, it has been in the past. Uh, is there any, I mean, um, do you, you know, it seemed like it'd be hard to know exactly what you got in app. You know, they, they're up there dealing with the bad weather early. They only got one game. Is is that kind of an unknown right now? Yeah. I don't know how good app is. They, 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 I do know this. They'll compete against us really well. They play us tough games. They beat us last year 4-1 to one in the, on the opening game. We just beat Illinois. We just beat Indiana. And, you know, we went out there expecting to win, and then they beat us 4-1. to one. We turn around the next two days and beat them 8-2 to two, and then come back, I think, on Sunday 10-1. to one. Um, You know, so we beat them 10-1, 8-2 the last two games, but we didn't have that right mentality on game one. We were probably a little bit tired. That was at the end of that uh, nine-game spring break trip but to, from South Al to St. Louis to Illinois to Indiana. And and so that I'll use that as a motivator for our kids. You know, it's it's fresh in my mind that four to one loss. I don't like losing to a conference team. And and if you don't show up ready to play, Coach Horner will have her girls. She's a good coach, and she'll have her girls motivated. Of course, we're Louisiana, you know, and you got a bullseye on your back, and that's a great thing. We want to be, we want to be the team that everybody wants to beat because that means you're winning. And uh, you know it's our conference, and that's how we look at it. It's our, it's our league. We own it, and so they're going to come to take that away. And if we play a show up and play our best ball, we should be in good shape. All right, coach. We'll look forward to getting to see you play again this weekend. Uh, we appreciate your time very much. Good luck to you. All right, thank you, Kevin. This is Footnotes on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Great news, my sports-loving friend. No more aimlessly searching for sports talk love by swiping left or right. That's because you've already found the perfect match. For Sports Talk Love, that is... Now, back to the only lover you'll ever need. The game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. All right. Um, from the conversation we just had with Coach Glasgow, as he was talking, I was. Th- I, I I think one of the toughest things, especially for a young team, and this team for the most, like he's playing a lot of young players, is to know, and 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 you know, I don't know that you can know this in a few weeks. I I, I think it's kind of a larger sample size. I think some players can get moved positions within a lineup. Uh, or position your actual position in the field defensively, and it not affect you at the plate. And I'm sure there are other players who, 
if they're constantly being moved from the leadoff spot, well, not in this case. We all don't know who the leadoff hitter. I mean, from the two or three hole, or they're hitting eighth, or they're hitting ninth, or or they're sometimes they're playing third base, and sometimes they're playing right field, and so you know, getting constantly moved in and out. That that could mess with their hit. and other players. I think it doesn't matter if they're moved all around. They they're they're able to separate where they are defensively from how they're hitting. You know, I've heard in the major leagues, some guys can DH. Some guys just, they're not as good when they're not playing in the field. You know, even El Pedro, it surprised a lot of people. His numbers are way better when he plays left field than when he DHs. I, I don't know why that is. I think maybe they're more involved in the game. It, you would think you'd have more time to... Seem like he would be better as a DH. And so I would think, especially with a young team, that's got to be tough when you're doing all the shuffling that Coach Glasgow is doing, knowing and over time he'll learn which players can handle that and it not affect him at the plate and which ones can't. Yeah, we, we talked about that with Sophie early in the season. Like Sophie just seems like someone who needs to be in the field because she's got a lot of energy. And like sitting around waiting for your next at bat is not necessarily the best way to utilize her. But at times... Coach Glasgow's not going to have any choice if he wants her to get a couple at-bats, but he doesn't have a spot to put her in the field, right? So that is tough. And, I mean, I think Coach Deggs is going to have the same situation um, yes. because they got a lot of guys. I mean, Ben Ropeshow is not coming out the lineup. You can't. I mean, the guy's – Not right now. Yeah. I mean, and now they're – you know, he's kind of mentioned they'll see about finding a spot for him in the field and right now DHing and stuff like that. But they're going to have – and that's, that's a team that you need – like C.J. Willis has been the perfect example. He's a guy who can just – he can go two weeks without – now. right now he's injured, but he can go two weeks without being in the lineup and then just get inserted on a Sunday afternoon and go three for four with a couple of doubles. He's just that guy. But not everybody's built like that. So not only do you have to manage who you're starting consistently and who's getting a lot of playing time, then you have to manage who are the guys that I know I can place you know, in different spots and it won't affect their performance. And so that's – when you have 14, 15 guys or girls that – play consistently for you the way both of these teams have that becomes difficult to manage especially as the games get more and more important at the end of the season um yes and i i'm worried about you know coach des asked that question for him um on monday he's like i've been asking myself like he put in John Taylor the other day and he's done great and Taylor's played well ever since. So, but he's like, well, if CJ, who's gotten off to a pretty good start this year, was available, where would I be playing him? Like, cause like, so when CJ does come back, where's he gonna play him? Like, it, it, it's, you know, and if Veon ever hits, like, Veon has not really hit yet. And he obviously still believes in him. And he mentioned that he made a tweak in his swing and he's anxious to see how it's going to play out. Now, a game like last night, by the way, they're just um, they're just running like crazy right now. Like, David, they've had double di- – I wonder if that's just ever happened. Like, they've stolen double digits in a game three times in the last week. I mean, it's unbelievable. Now, yeah. and by the way, the school record is 13. And and they had they got to eight quick last night. Well, it turned out to be a blowout, and then they got run-ruled, so it got stifled. But, man, 
It's like it's kind of like high school ball. Like it's you guy gets the first and he just goes if you got any sort of speed. And if you don't have a pretty good defensive catcher and a and couple of pitchers who can manage the running game, it's going to be like that. And so that's why that's another reason midweek games, which sometimes teams struggle in midweek for what we talk about LSU for so long, how they've you know always and struggle is relative to how they play on weekends, right? But UL is going to win a lot of midweek games just because they're going to overwhelm teams that can't defend that. Like again, a team like Grambling and sometimes you know some of the opponents they played haven't been as talented. Uh, I think Jackson State was maybe an exception because they can really swing the bat. Um, now Southeastern, we'll see because they are they pretty run good program. Too. Yeah, and they run too. But if you don't have a defensive catcher, you're in trouble against Cajuns. And really, I, I think it almost more often. It's not so much the catcher, it's how quickly pitchers get rid of the ball. I mean, like the thing he commented last night is their pitchers just they didn't get rid of the ball very quickly. And so you better have a great catcher if your pitcher's putting you in a deficit right off the bat. So, all right, well, we had fun today. It's okay to argue about Mike Trout and arguments like that. We had, we, we had fun. Y'all have a nice day.